There is a, a universal quality that the, of the question that Jesus asks his disciples. Who do you say that I am? Is a question that Jesus continues to ask his followers throughout each age. And in this sense, it is a timeless question put to all those who would strive to follow Jesus. It is the the question that Jesus puts to each of us. Who do I say Jesus is? And yet, even though it is a timeless question, a question put to the church again and again, in today's gospel lesson, there is also a context for the question. It is asked in a particular place and time. When Jesus asks this question, he has just entered with his disciples into the district of Caesarea Philippi, a city that was built up in honor of the Roman Emperor Augustus. And it had a temple that honored uh, and deified, uh, deified Augustus as the son of God. It was also known for its temple dedicated to the Roman god Pan and to other Roman gods. As such, to Jesus and his followers, it is a city that is, that has a symbolic identity, symbolism around idolatry and Roman occupation and Roman power. And so there is an, an electricity in the air as Jesus asks this question. And when Simon Peter proclaims that Jesus is the Messiah and the Son of the living God, it is a rejection of the empire and Caesar. To say that Jesus is the Messiah or Christ, which means God's anointed, is also to say that Caesar is not God's chosen. To say that Jesus is the son of the living God is to say that Caesar is not son of God. Here, when Simon Peter declares Jesus as Christ and son of God, he is he's making a bold claim that is not just about Jesus and it's not just about God, but it's also about the world itself and the way that the world is ordered and governed. For his part, Jesus affirms Peter's confession, saying that its source is not human, but rather a gift and a revelation from God. But interestingly, As Jesus affirms this pronouncement and confession by Peter, Jesus broadens the significance of Peter's confession to include the church. Jesus says, and I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church. Peter actually means rock. It's as if he was saying, and I tell you, you are rock, and on this rock I will build my church. It is on Peter as rock and on his confession of Jesus as Messiah and Christ that Jesus tells his disciples that he will build his church. 
Now, I wonder, what do you think of when you think of the word church? When you decided to come here this morning, did you think of coming to a place or to a group of people? When you called and, uh, and, and texted all your friends last night and told them, I'm going to church tomorrow, don't you want to come? Did you think that they thought of the church as first and foremost a place with a, with a steeple and, and four walls and an organ? Or do you think they thought of a body of people? Because I think we, we often think of church as first and foremost building. At least I do. I think we often think of the church as a place where we go with, you know, with these beautiful stained glass windows and a roof that leaks. <laughs> we think of this, of this beautiful space that, that just happens to be either too hot in the summer or too cold in the winter. My hunch is, is that when we think of the church, we think of, of a building that has a boiler that never seems to work for some reason and often has that funny smell. Like, what is that smell that this place has? But, but the church as a building with four walls and a steeple is not what Jesus is talking about here. Church as, as place is certainly not what Jesus means when he speaks of my church in this gospel lesson, even though he does use all of these building images, right? Now, the Greek word for church is ecclesia, and it could just as easily be translated as assembly. When Jesus says church, Jesus is talking about building up a group of people. Paul talks about this group as a body of people, right? In the letter to the Romans, like he did today. This, this body of people will have Jesus as their foundation and Peter and his confession as a stone on which they are to be built. It is Jesus himself who calls this body together and who builds it up. Jesus gives the growth. Christ joins this group together, knits them together, stacks them on top of one another so that the folks that Jesus might calls might share in the implication of what Peter confesses when he says that Jesus is the Messiah. When Jesus talks about building up his church, Jesus is talking about bringing together and, and binding together a group of people who will be challenged to live into the radical implications of what it means to say that Jesus is the Christ. This will be a community that has the keys of the kingdom of heaven, he tells them, who will have the, the power to bind and to loosen. In short, Jesus gives his power to this community, this assembly, this church, to be a sign and a sacrament of the kingdom of God. This is an awesome responsibility, one that has been abused throughout the ages. And so this power should also humble us and should always bring us to a place of turning to God. And Jesus gives the church the task of, of recognizing 
and enabling people to recognize Christ's personal presence in the world. This is our task, to recognize and enable others to recognize Christ's personal presence in the world. The church only becomes what it is by following Jesus and his way. And Jesus challenges the church to be a community that embraces the Beatitudes and the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus calls this community to stand with the vulnerable and the marginalized. He calls on this community to love their enemies and to be a source of healing and forgiveness and reconciliation. Jesus calls this church to live and act on behalf of the poor and on the marginalized and to stand against war, to stand against violence. Jesus builds a community whose whose common life is enlivened by God's love for the whole of humanity. Jesus offers these challenges so that the church might truly live into its identity and serve the world in God's name. And as such, the church must always allow Jesus to disturb our peace. Perhaps we long for a safe Jesus, a a Jesus who will only comfort and not challenge. But here's the thing. We cannot honor Christ in our sanctuary and then in turn ignore him in the stranger and in the outcast and the sinner, both those inside these four walls and out. When Jesus asks, and who do you say that I am, he puts that question to us as well. And just as Peter proclaims Jesus as Messiah at the the doorstep of Caesarea Philippi, at the doorstep of of a city that was symbolic of idolatry and Roman power, so too we must look to answer the question in our own context. So who is Jesus? Who is Jesus in 2017? Who is Jesus Christ in the face of mass deportations? Who is Christ in the face of white supremacy? Who is Christ in the rise of the opioid crisis or in the plight of those suffering this morning from the devastation of Hurricane Harvey? Who is Christ in a world of anxiety and despair and meaninglessness? We must confront these questions, but we do not do so alone. For when Jesus talks about building up his church, he's letting us know that we do it together. He's also letting us know that we can only encounter Christ in relationship with other people. Yes, we will find ourselves in our willingness to follow Jesus, but we do so together in community, as as ecclesia, as church. Jesus assures us that when the church is the church, when when it steps out, 
And it lives in the same vulnerability that Jesus exhibits in his own ministry. And not even the power of death, the so-called gates of Hades, can prevail against it. In every age, and certainly in our own, the church must answer Jesus when he asks, who do you say that I am? That is the question he puts to us. But the answer, the answer to that question is one that we must live into together. Amen.